This is the Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Morning, everybody. It is morning. And uh, we're on the next episode of the Wealth Standard Radio. We're uh, episode 133. And uh, the title of this episode, we should make it the title of, the, of any podcast I do with the guy that's sitting next to me, uh, is The Big Short because he's really big, <laughs> and comparatively speaking, I'm really short. Oh, man. <laughs> I would say only comparatively. You're not a short guy. <laughs> uh, but that's what we're going to talk about today. And I have the uh, pleasure of having Andy Tanner uh, in, in the office to discuss this uh, this movie. This is the second b- podcast we've done on this movie, but there's so much there, and I, so it's such a fascinating such a fascinating idea of what what uh, what this book is that Michael Lewis wrote that uh, I think will be a really cool conversation today. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Big Short, talk about that movie, and then also we're going to segue into uh, into China because China. I mean, this week is or last week. The whole thing. This the whole week, thing. It's, it's yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, you know two two days of shutdowns and you know ripple effect throughout the entire world. It's uh, it's pretty pretty fascinating. And I think that the the day after we saw the movie uh, together is when like. Oh yeah, you know, all hell broke loose. Yeah, we, <laughs> to put it, it was crazy. It was crazy. Uh, okay, so let's, let's talk. About, so the big, the big short. You read the book. I mean, you, yeah. you know, you, you're familiar enough with, you know, yeah. kind of that that side of things, uh, because that's your world. I mean, your world is kind of the derivative world. Uh, you know, using certain you know financial techniques, uh, mainly you know options type of strategies to to really determine you know where where markets are are moving and how do take advantage of up, down, and, and sideways. And so your angle on this, I think, is different than most. And you were commenting about this in the movie, that when a person is looking at the information that was coming across in that movie, it's all interpretation, right? Yeah. And what determines interpretation right. is a person's level of knowledge. And you basically commented, nobody, you know, I, I guarantee half the people in here, a quarter of the people in here, or 75% of the people don't really understand what went yeah. on. Who knows? Right. So, I mean, from, from you it, and how you perceive it. Was it was fun because the movie gave great, uh, the first they, they did, it was fun to see a movie where all of a sudden you cut away, almost like a glossary. Well, it broke that fourth, almost, that fourth dimension. Yeah, almost like a textbook where you'd have a theorem or a definition to say, okay, we're talking about credit swaps, credit, credit default swaps in this movie, break. Yeah. Here's so-and-so in the bathtub yeah. to explain what they are. Yeah, seriously, that was crazy. It was really an interesting movie, yeah. and, and, and to have a movie where you'd have the actors you're usually watching, and all of a sudden they look right in the camera, yeah, and, and they'd, they'd break say, that fourth, this isn't actually how dimension. it happened, but how it really happened yeah. is this. Yeah. It was a fascinating yeah. art, artistically. It was. It was great acting, too. Yeah, great, great. I enjoyed it. The, the thing that was strange about it, and this happens a lot, is I don't, I don't think a lot of people really understand what shorting is. Yeah when they see that movie because mm-hmm. they really didn't short they they were long credit false swaps mm-hmm. they bought something mm-hmm. you know in order to short something you borrow it sell it wait for it to drop buy it back and return it there's four steps mm-hmm. you borrow it you sell it you buy it back and return it after the price mm-hmm. is low they didn't do really any of that i mean uh, Steven, they just bought it they just bought a contract they bought it they bought insurance exactly. which is your world yep. you know so it was interesting when people say uh, for those that care, I suppose, when, when people say I'm shorting the market, it, it takes on a dual meaning because really, if you look at a big picture, you say, are there ways for me to take a position that will profit 
on the demise of an overall market, of an overall investment. Or a financial instrument, in this case, mortgage-backed Correct. So so what they said is they they actually were bullish. They said, we're going to buy a contract low, and we're going to sell our contract high. Mm -hmm. So they're actually bullish on credit default swaps. Yeah, excuse, they all me, excuse me, they were, they were bearish on credit default swaps. They were bullish on, uh, on, on insurance, yeah. right? Bearish on the, 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 more, the CDOs, yeah. bullish on the credit default swaps. Yeah, because they, they bought those, yeah. co- they funded those contracts. Right. I mean, the one guy that created them funded those contracts That's right. at the bottom. At the but bottom. But then they didn't wait to get their money when the contracts actually paid out the claim, yeah. right? They were yeah. able to sell it at a they higher price. They sold that paper at a higher price. Yeah, which they was bought, fascinating to me. They bought low and sold high. I thought everybody made the money on when everything defaulted, like bailout money is what paid off those contracts, which I think yeah. it did, but yeah. it paid off the contracts to those that owned it at the end. That's right. And that, and that's the way an option works. Yeah. Um, a derivative, you know, one of the best ways to think of a derivative is an agreement. Mm-hmm. It's a It's a contract. It's an agreement. A uh, a loan, I suppose, is an agreement. Mm-hmm. That's the debt market. A equity is when I own something, and then the third part of the paper asset market is these derivatives, mm-hmm. options and futures, and you know any type of agreement. Mm-hmm. Well, agreements can become valuable or less valuable depending on what happens. Yep. So, so the term "the big short" it should have been we bought awesome insurance. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is 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 let's say, you know, what I think is fascinating from your perspective, Patrick, is in the insurance industry, it's risk management. And we have actuarial tables in terms of the probability of someone having a heart attack, the probability, you know, let's say we're in the auto insurance industry and we say, here's a city, here's the density of the population, Mm -hmm. here's the density of cars, the narrowness of the streets, Mm -hmm. the, the speed limits. We can predict with reasonable accuracy how many people are going to get in accidents what's the cost in blood and treasure well they well they and also have the data of last year the accidents that yeah. have happened and, and the they can ages raise of the people that caused them and right. the you know whether they're male or female and they can raise and, p- premiums accordingly absolutely. but it's based on prediction and and statistics mm-hmm. natural tables mm-hmm. what fascinates me about the big short is that you're having people rate risk and this is really where the fraud came, in my opinion, is we're going to put, we're going to slap AAA ratings on garbage. Yep. And and for people that that are in the insurance industry, and people that are going to write credit to false swaps to have an inaccurate perception of the risk, that's where the coup really was, right? That's where the coup really was. For these guys to be able to see, for these guys to be able to see where that where the, where that weakness was, where that risk was, and have the people that were willing to write those swaps out say, are you guys crazy? Because they felt like they were giving a car insurance policy to a soccer mom who drove once a week down the block mm-hmm. and left her car in the garage most of the time. Mm-hmm. She's never going to get in a wreck. Mm-hmm. What they truly saw was a drunken teenager with a... I would you know, say a drunken, you know... <laughs> They saw Andy Tanner drunk, and I don't even drink, <laughs> but they saw the way I yeah. drive. Yeah. And and that was the biggest thing is how they were able to, and of course Hollywood's going to make that more, uh, I, I think Hollywood did a fair job of, of watching them sweat while they paid those premiums. Yeah. Because while they were confident in what would happen, 
they were less accurate and there was nebula it was nebulous, was nebulous. as to when yeah he'd say oh it's going to happen here this yeah. is where they mature and yeah they... maybe and that and the thing is he was and that was also also pretty fascinating is he was betting on adjustable mortgages coming to you know yeah, to that point adjusting. where they would adjust up uh, and that actually never happened yeah because there was the whole bailout and then there were yeah. you know mortgage modifications and none of that ever happened yeah okay so his prediction i mean a lot of stuff happened which you know caused those contracts to be valuable yeah. but it wasn't what he predicted necessarily so you know when people hear the word the the only unfortunate thing from a finance as a financial educator you like accuracy mm -hmm. So when they say, well, this was the big short, well, it, it bothered me. I guess I'm a little anal about it, but it mm -hmm. bothered me that they, they, they didn't really short the market in the terms of shorting a stock. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you can buy it. So, like some people say, well, I'm short the market when they bought a put. Mm -hmm. Well, no, they're long puts. Technically, they've made a purchase of something that's at a low price. They paid a low premium. Mm -hmm. And they'll be able to sell it for a high premium because of the value of the contract. And the value of the contract will change because an underlying instrument went down in value. Mm -hmm. So we we use the term short when we say, look, we're going to have a contract where we're going to profit on the underlying value going down. Mm -hmm. Where where if you want to be really technical about it, that's not shorting. That's going long. Mm -hmm. I bought something. Again, when I short, I borrow something. Mm -hmm. I sell it wait for the price to go down, I buy it back again and return it to the owner. Yep. So it wasn't really a big short. It was a big, awesome insurance. Uh, so I would, so because you're, you're right on, I think the technical yeah. side of things, but again, you, if you're going to try to, yeah. to teach and educate through a movie, the average public man, I think yeah. big short, and I think they defined it as like you're making, making money a bet, when something goes making down. Making a bet that something's going to yeah. go down. Making a bet that the market would crash. Yep. I think the one of the, you know, I think one of the things you mentioned was the idea of, I mean, whether you call it fraud or whether you call it commerce, right? There were a lot of different parties involved yeah. in kind of the dem the demise and what these guys that created these contracts saw. And I think it started with rating agencies, yeah. right? And it was it's fascinating if you go to you know some of the other documentaries that have been made. There were there were testimonies through the two thousand eight two thousand nine crisis. Testimonies by those at S and P uh, at Moody's. And they basically, you know, they're the ones that really create the initial value because of the rating. Yeah. But the testimonies that they gave were like, yeah. well, it's just an opinion. It blew you know, my mind. It was, you know, we're just giving opinions. Nobody should take our opinions. They should do their own research. It's what, like, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> they did yeah. obviously because they didn't want to get sued. What blew my mind is when, uh, when uh, Standard Poor's or maybe it was Moody's, I think it was Standard Poor's, actually finally downgraded a uh the credit rating in the united states yeah because yeah. that never happened in the history of our mm -hmm. country mm -hmm. and in the day they did that alan greenspan got a former chairman at the time bernanke was in at the time you know what greenspan gets on cnbc you know what he said they said so you know they posed the question so they've downgraded our credit are 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 the u.s creditors the people we've loaned money to are they in danger of not being paid back you know is there an increased danger of that and Greenspan said this, and I can quote this. He said, the, the United States can pay any debt it has because we can always print, print money, money to yeah, do that. Yeah. And didn't after <laughs> after the downgrading take place, there were actually, you know, prices went up. It was there, the there, was an there was an influx thing. of money after that happened. You know, when you look at, you know, the, one of the dangers of the big short, I think, is that it's a movie, at, in the, and it's a book and a movie that's written in hindsight. 
In other words, we yeah. portray this medical doctor as absolutely brilliant, where he's right, he knows he's right, and everyone else is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably thousands of brilliant people that had reasons, that have evidence and metrics that the market didn't go their way and they lost their shorts, uh, but we don't make movies about that because they weren't right. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, the, the idea that, that they were just brilliant and smart and everyone was stupid, I don't know that I buy that as well in real life mm-hmm. as opposed to Hollywood because it is the defining nature of this market is its unpredictability. It does things that are unpredictable all, all the time. The time. Yeah. And to make a big score like that uh, took huge guts because they're paying premiums waiting for an event to happen. It, it was pretty, like, I'll say it this way, Patrick. All I can look at data the same way they did right here on this podcast with you. Mm-hmm. And I can predict a demise that is so plain and so clear. Mm-hmm. But the problem isn't what's going to happen. The problem is when. For example, they said, if you go watch the big short, they see a ticking time bomb of, People in lame mortgages, yeah. adjustable rate just housing mortgages, market in general. housing market in general, uh, they're, it's just not, they're giving money to people who can't pay it back. Basically, the, the great scene is when they go see the mortgage brokers. Yeah. And they're awesome. snickering yeah. and they're saying, hey, we're not going to approve someone. We're gonna, look, if you can fog a mirror, we're going to approve you. And there's something inherently weird and wrong about that, and you can see it plain as day. Mm-hmm. I can give you scenarios right now. That say they are the same thing. Right now, just as you've seen. Easiest one. Uh, off-balance sheet commitments by the United States for baby boomers in the next well, 10 Social years. Social Security Medicare. Yeah. Social Security Medicare. Trillions of Unfunded dollars. liabilities. It's $100 plus trillion. Dollars. Our GDP, look, our GDP is 16, 17 trillion. Our on-balance sheet is 18 trillion. Our off-balance sheet is 120 trillion. Uh, you got You'd have to run deficits. We cannot produce enough value in the United States to drive our GDP high enough mm-hmm. to collect the taxes to pay that stuff. Yep. That is that. You, I don't, I'm not even a medical doctor, <laughs> you know. And I can and I can say and I can go out just like You're a he did. Player. Yeah, for, I wasn't even a good. Ba- <laughs> I can. Ju- I can't jump shoot. I can foul, dude. Yep. I'm not even a good basketball player. I can foul people. <laughs> but even a broken down has been basketball player can say, look. We can't afford these promises. People aren't going to give those promises up. Yeah. We're Greece. The question is then is when. And that is where the, easily this thing lasts another year beyond what those guys thought it would be. Yeah. They were already stretched behind. They're all bankrupt. Every one of them are bankrupt. Well, They're that, all it's dead. It's that saying that you know the Brings markets drama. can stay irrational longer than you can stay liquid. Abs- there you go. Oh, who said that? I can't remember. But it's some say I, I didn't say it. I'm not gonna take credit for that. I was I was just gonna get on on my I was gonna go do a class A. Let me tell you what Patrick Donahoe said. <laughs> it was yeah, Patrick Donahoe that said the markets uh, can stay irrational longer than you can stay liquid. That's a great statement. Mm-hmm. And so it's just that's the hard thing to put the money. That's why technical analysis is so important. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to read charts and see it as it's happening because you can't predict where the chart will be in five years, but I can see where it's going today. But you also look at other other charts, fundamental analysis. There's other types they, of ways to yes, look at it because it they, does, even though it's technical, it could say one thing, but another analysis can another analysis can say something else or and, maybe put a different angle on well, it. Well, the key word you used was irrationality. Yeah. The big short was about fundamental analysts. 
They went out and did research. They looked at the numbers. They saw financial weakness. Mm -hmm. They saw this. They said, look, the value of this does not jive with its financial strength. We see huge, huge prices. We see no financial strength here. We don't see strength in the underlying stuff. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we feel these prices are over overvalued. It just makes sense. sense. Yeah. Problem is, fundamentals don't always make sense yeah. because you have irrational exuberance, yep. you have emotion, you have greed, yeah. you have agendas that will pump things up and, and trade things in a strange way. Well, that's why the, in the movie... They went, they went down to Florida and they went to experience what was going on and that gave them the irrational, that gave them the emotional angle, the irrational angle as far as what people were doing that they just weren't aware of because yeah. they had all the other analysis, but they had to go down and actually see it yeah. themselves. And I think that irrational side was really what, what set them off and really realized that this was what the technical and the fundamental analysis that's why he goes to his him. wife and he uses this rationally i had to go see this stripper honey it was research <laughs> there was she was the there. one that was buying the mortgage yeah. i had to go interview her oh, and i couldn't see her after work <laughs> good gravy but no it that's was unfortunate it, it was eye-opening i think if people people look at it i mean if you were the way in which you looked at that movie and what you took away was different than the average average person and i think you know some of the the, the headlines or the things I saw on social media about this movie was people are going to be very upset. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that it Hollywood is, is that, going to demonize the establishment because, because it's the 99% that go see the movie, not the 1%. Exactly. And so the idea is, is there an, is there, is there some element of, of yeah. truth to that? And I would say there is. Um, yeah, there and, is. but that's the thing is the markets and investing and human beings have had the same characteristics that created this movie. They've had it for hundreds of years and they have it today. Now, it may not be in the exact same format, right? But right now, there is all sorts of stuff almost identical to that that's, go that's going on. And whose resources are typically the ones that get uh, leveraged and extinguished, ultimately? I would, the, the, the myth I would quash is is or and I, I don't know that they did this intentionally uh it's a perceived value you had the feeling that someone was right and someone was wrong mm -hmm. and the person that was the right didn't take risk and the person that was wrong took risk and you have this feeling that while everyone's saying you're crazy for buying these default swaps you're crazy you're crazy he says no i'm right i know i'm right i know i'm right i know i'm right that he really wasn't at risk because he was right and that's incorrect he was dead right as to their value. Their value was overvalued. He was right. But that didn't take the risk away that the irrational exuberance could outlast his ability to pay the premiums. Exactly. And, and that's where I think people need to be careful because don't know, fundamental analysis standing alone is it's hurt Warren Buffett before. He's learned that lesson. Yeah. He really has. It's cost him billions because the market, in fact, he's one of the guys that says a lot of this type of stuff. He used to say, you know, buy and hold. And I says, you really want to buy and hold until it's time to sell, <laughs> you know? And, and so the other, the other lesson is, is insurance. I would say this. I, I also don't like the idea that people think that to create wealth, you have to hit a big score like they did. Okay. There are ways with derivatives to play these much more conservatively 
you don't become you don't get a check for forty seven billion dollars, okay? It was million. But <laughs> what you know, whatever it is. And uh and you know, the well and you know, some of them made a couple of billion off yeah, it, I know. but and, and can you imagine what Goldman made? Mm. You know, I mean when, when Goldman finally flipped over. Which which I don't think the movie went into as much depth as they could have on the institutional side. Who made how it? when those guys flipped. Yep. And they're the ones that repackaged this garbage and sold it. Mm-hmm. And that's where the real fraud, two frauds probably. A, the fraud in rating these higher than they should have been. Mm-hmm. And then B, knowingly packaging these together as garbage and selling them to other people. Those yep. are probably the two greatest sins yep. that went unpunished. And Goldman was, was hammered in front of Congress about, about all of that. And, yeah. and they were caught. I mean, there was emails, yeah. right, that completely contradicted themselves because they were... You know, they were giving analysis on, you know, the the value of whatever they so, were selling, but yet they were still selling it to clients. That's a great segue to China if you want to go yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. But here's why, um, in my opinion. Let's go back to 1998. And, you know, we've got the, the Internet bubbles gaining momentum. The NASDAQ is soaring. Uh, Al Gore has invented the Internet. Yeah. And people are all of a sudden day trading and they're brilliant in their own minds. And uh, and we have a company that's just soaring to, called Enron, yeah. and it's approaching $90 a share. And they have all these subsidiaries and all this stuff they're doing. And like you say, there's emails going back and forth of people snickering about this. You know, they're snickering. And, you know, the lights go out in California, and they're laughing about it, <laughs> you know, and all this that's in the biggest, uh, the smartest guys in the room. Is that the documentary that, that goes through all that? Yeah, that is. So, the smartest guys in the room. Yeah. So what's funny about that is, is, you know, people were not suspecting this or those were turned a blind eye to it possibly. And, and maybe the SEC didn't research their, you know, 10, their 10 Qs well enough. Who knows what it is? But the fact of the matter is their numbers were bogus. Mm-hmm. Okay, their numbers are bogus. So the question I have to ask myself is, as a fundamental analyst... I get these numbers. Can I trust the numbers? The first lesson I have to learn is maybe. Maybe I can, maybe I can't. So I probably look at them with a level of trust saying it's unwise for Steve Jobs in his company when he was around to file false stuff. It's just not smart to do. Steve Jobs smart guy. Mm-hmm. Well, the guys in run are supposed to be smart too. So it's a bad business practice to give fake numbers, but yet we have to understand it could happen. Mm-hmm. Now, now let's look at China from that standpoint. Let's look at, uh, what's, tell me what a ghost city is. <laughs> tell the listeners what a ghost city is. Well, I would define it as a city where ghosts live, but they define it as, you know, as a city where nobody lives. <laughs> and and I, I don't know. I mean, I, perception, I mean, I've, I've seen pictures anyway. No, my parents have been there. My parents yeah. like, my parents taught English for a couple of years in, in China. It's absolutely. And they've been there. They've been to actually yeah, those they, cities. They're, they're there. So so China is, is an interesting uh, country because they're, they're not going to let people Google stuff. Mm-mm. They're about controlling information. Now, if you're about controlling information, what that means is is what you let people see is going to go through a filter that will pass one test. Will it advance our agenda or will it detract from our agenda? In other words, we are only going to show information that is helpful to our cause 
as opposed to not being helpful exactly. to our cause, which is much like Enron, isn't it? Mm -hmm. What can we put on these 10 cues that will further our cause? Mm -hmm. It wasn't about accuracy. It was about rhetoric. Mm -hmm. It wasn't an, an epistemological pursuit of the truth. Mm -hmm. It was, what can I do to advance my agenda? So as I look at China and I look at the U.S., if the U.S. will give AAA ratings to garbage, if the U.S. will create a bubble in the real estate market, if the U.S. is not above uh, having Standard & Poor's and Moody's and all the stuff we've talked about, if we're not above creating a bubble with lying, basically, fraud, are we going to say the Chinese are above that too? And if the Chinese are a country that will manipulate currency that will build a ghost city, that will control the information to their people, do we trust their numbers in the first place? Mm -hmm. And do I have reason to believe that, oh, no, their economy is solid, or could they build another bubble too? I'm not accusing them of doing it. I'm simply posing the question to all of us listening. Do I trust them? <laughs> um, do, I, do, I, do I want to look at them skeptically? And so that's where technical an analysis comes in, is when the fundamentals... Are, are in question when the when the fundamental data is in question the technical read between the lines the technical is reality because yep. because the you know in the big short you know it kept going higher they, those guys were going nuts because they're like wait a minute these are crap uh and yet the bonds are going higher that, that, that makes but no yeah, sense when you know the underlying asset is in free fall yeah the actual derivative is, are going high. And they're going nuts. So like, how can these be going up? We should be right. We should be making money right now. This isn't right. Well, I think we look at China, and the question is, is like you said, how long does your liquidity uh, last until finally the ship writes itself? Yeah. Right? And so are we seeing China uh, write itself? If you're closing your markets down, that means you're having a hard time getting control of this thing. Okay, so well, the fundamentals of it all, too, and you would speak better to this, is is I don't think many people really understand what China has done. Because it's a different, a totally different economy than than the U.S., right? And I don't think most people realize that it was, I think it was just like, like a month after the the U.S. was bailed out. It's like a seven, the $700 billion. I mean, China had their own. They had like a yeah. $600 billion. Yeah. But relatively speaking, that was like three times the size Right of the U.S. bailout when you you know compare it to to the size of the economy, and what was interesting is that you look at you again you follow the money right. We were talking about this you know previous yeah. to the podcast is you really want to find the truth follow the money, and you know in China it's different than the U.S. because in the U.S. right what is what does credit do right it goes into the pockets of people and the people buy assets and those assets get bid up and that creates the bubble. Yeah. China people can't own property. Right. And yeah. so it's like, where is the yeah. money? Where's the money going? And the money goes to those like or the the the, the local the local um, government funded vehicles. There's some acronym for it. But basically, there are these local places that will lend money to developers. And the developers yeah. were the ones that were going building those cities. Right. And so and the debt ghosts. is there. The debt's yeah. there. It's on their balance sheets. It's, there's it's, no asset. But there's no the asset because there's no cash flow. There's no income. There's, there's nobody no living asset. there. So it's like. Here, here's a fascinating big picture thought of China. You know, the U.S. in the past, I wouldn't say it's headed this way, but, but you know, in the World War II era, in the turn of the century, industrial revolution area, 
you know, you look at the turn of the century, the Carnegies, the Fords, the Rockefellers, even the Morgans, you know, that, that first elite class in America, really, that, be, that we know of, uh, you had a, you had a, a capitalist uh, approach towards econ- economies, but you also had this, this feeling of freedom socially, you know, entrepreneurship socially. There was a, there was a congruence between liberty of, of uh, social values and also capitalism. Here you have China who is trying to be more capitalist in their economic approach and yet very communist in their social approach. And what I think will be hard for them to deal with from a political standpoint is if you give people a taste of freedom, especially if you do it on the economic side and the entrepreneurial side, Mm -hmm. are they then going to demand that same type of spirit in their lives socially and can the and can the Japanese control that and can they control those people if they give them the power the Chinese I mean yeah can yeah. can can they control I mean what's your thoughts on that yeah no I and that's where it comes down to, to human nature and and I would say I agree I, I agree but also when they do taste freedom because of how how culturally strong they are I'm not sure it'll have the same take as the US because yeah. think about it this way you, know, you, look, you look at China, that has been part of the culture for so long. Yeah. And there's still a huge limitation on freedoms. Can, can, so it's kind of like what when they do get a certain freedom, are they really going to know what to do with it right away? I think it's going to take can longer that, than you think. I think it's, a la- it's lagging. I don't know. Can that culture... I mean, I look at my kids, and if my kids want to know something, they know the last place to learn it is in school. Mm-hmm. And the first place to learn Google. it is to Google it, is the iPad. They look at their iPad, and they're already becoming skeptical. It's interesting. Not only can they they know that's where the information is, but they're becoming more and more skeptical because they're learning that it's not the information age, it's the misinformation age. Mm -hmm. So they're already learning that there's a better source than a school teacher to go to for information, and they're all looking at it with a skeptic eye, and it's happening Mm -hmm. in one generation. So if, if these guys start to demand integrity of information and the world gets small mm-hmm. that destroys a lot of those traditions doesn't it yeah. pretty quick yeah because the traditions and the culture becomes wor- worldwide and yeah, i think it's there gonna you go the world gets yeah, smaller and i think it's the younger and this is what my parents said when they were there they, they said that the the up-and-coming generation that's in their like late teens coup, early 20s are the ones that are really they're wanting the cars they're wanting they're wanting technology yep. and once that opens up they right? want to see how everything else is working and I think at that point, I mean, because during those years, what I mean, Blair Singer talks a lot about this. He says yeah. during those years, there's something that happens to the human being where there has to be a release. There's so many emotions, so much chemicals going on that yep. they're they're searching and they're searching and they're searching. There has to be a release. I think, and that's where I think, you know, they're looking at the Internet. They're looking at what yeah. all their cultures are doing. And right there, that could set a new precedent for, it could you know, how the, China. It, it could totally change and it's China. it's going to change the United States. It's going to well, change look, the world. Yeah, it's going to change even our cultures of go to school. Yeah, get a job. I mean, come on. If I was if I was a university professor right now, I'd be sweating I'd bullets. be mortified. Yeah. Because they're going to fact check you in real time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're and and you're in, you're a dinosaur. Come on, you're teaching. You're standing in front of a classroom with a piece of chalk. <laughs> Are you serious? Are you kidding me? I mean, if I was a college professor, I'd be mortified right now because you're a dinosaur. You're done. Mm-hmm. 
you don't want to innovate. You feel like you've, you feel like you've put in your time and you're lazy. You don't want to have to go and innovate and change. Mm -hmm. You just want to get paid to teach the way you used to talk. As an educator, I'll tell you right now, you, you've got to be good at your job to educate or people will not, not, not come. They, they won't. So China is, uh, I don't trust them. I don't know. I don't well, there's wanna, something else that has to be going on. I'm not them. I'm just, just I even, I'm even suspect of what, what went on this week, right? Because I yeah. think they're, they're smart enough where there, there aren't these just random crashes or these random things that happen. There's all these, it's all, it's, there's always something else that's going on that well, we don't know about. And here, and let's talk about the contagion, okay? Um, we, we, we have a market down and we blame it on China. We say, well, China markets closed down, and so you know that could spark problems. And you know, if China if China's economy fails, we're going to feel ripples of that. So we got to sell in panic. Well, let me tell you what I think about our markets. If we look at our side of this in the U.S., it didn't need to be China. Okay, look. If you look at, you go back to August when we had a China problem before. Mm -hmm. Okay, our market drops 10% a week. I think, I don't know the numbers on a chart in front of me, but I'd say the S&P was probably around 2,100, and it's dropping to 18, whatever. So we have a we have a 200, we have easily a 200-point uh, drop in the S&P. So we'll call it 10%. So you lose one-tenth of your market's value because China, you know, looks like it's having a few problems. It's not about China only. That means that unlike... Unlike the person, the 401k, who has their feet kicked up on their desk, hoping it'll go higher, the guys that have the real money, they're just, they've got a trigger. They've got their finger on the trigger to hit that sell button the first time sign of trouble. Why? Why are they going to sell the first time of trouble? Because they know their market's overvalued. They know we're not pumping it up as much with printed money anymore. They know the interest rates are going to start going higher. They know that, that, that to sustain... The seven-year bull market that we've had, the amount of capital that would require—it's impossible. The, the amount of capital that required to have that level of sustainability to double a market every seven years—you out of your mind. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So it's not just China. It's not just that China has problems. It, it says, "Are we overvalued?" There's been four times since the year 1900 that the Schiller P/E of the S&P, meaning how much will we pay for earnings? What do we pay for a dollar earnings out of the S&P? That's really what it is. Mm -hmm. If the S&P can make you a dollar of earnings, how much price will you pay to buy that index? There's only been four times where it's peaked its head above 25. 1929, crash. 2000, So you mean you pay, you pay $25 for yeah, a dollar where of you're earnings? Yeah, where you're paying more than $25, you've... We've only had four times, inflation adjusted, yep. inflation adjusted. You only had four times where the market's been willing to pay. 25 bucks for $1 25 bucks for a dollar of earnings or higher. And it's gotten higher than that. But I'm just saying, if you draw a line at 25 along that Schiller index over the past 100 years, you've only got four times. You got 1929, you got 2000.com, you got subprime meltdown, you got today. We're still above it yeah. today. Barely above it, but we are above it. Each of those times, historically, it's been, now I'm not saying history repeats itself mm -hmm. here, but I am saying that's something to watch, and I am saying that sign. based on, his, you know, can it be more valuable? It could be worth 25. Why? Because if, if currencies or if the debt market 
or if the derivative market has too much risk for yield or like the bond market has no yield, I'm going to hunt for yield. Mm -hmm. That would raise the value of equities. That Okay, I'll pay $25 for a dollar. So I'm not saying that's an automatic line, mm -hmm. but it is interesting. Historically, we haven't, we don't generally have to find, we don't generally have to pay that much to find value in the stock market. So, so is it about China? Well, yeah, but really, could it have been? Could it be contagion in Greece? Could it be Venezuela? Could it be ISIS? Could it be oil depression? Could it be a lack of liquidity in the bond market? Could it be all these storms? All these storms are out there. Could any of them really, aside from China, make us skittish about saying, "Look, our market is really expensive right now." it may be time to go. And I think that's maybe as big a lesson to think about possibly as China. Well, it's fragile. The fra the fr there you go. That's the word I'd use. Yeah, the fr and the fragile, and you don't know, it's right at that, it's it's the asleep bull in the China cabinet. Well, right? and I hate to beat my own horse that I beat to death, but that's what your 401k is made of. And, you know, do you want to use the word fragile and associate that with your 401k. Well, that's people's savings. It's their it's their future. Yeah. Be it it's one of the most, whatever the opposite side of fresh. You know, the, the big short opened with a great quote by Mark Twain. I love that quote. Um, and I, I don't want to destroy it, but it says something to the effect that it's not what you don't know that'll hurt you. It's what you know that it just is wrong. It just ain't so. Yeah, it's, it, it just ain't so. <laughs> and so, you know, if you, if you know... If you have this conviction of uh, faith in markets, uh, if you have a conviction in the faith of the market, and you don't, you want to get the nineteen sixties and you know sixties and fifties thinking, just pull up a long term chart of the S and P five hundred, and take a look at maybe nineteen hundred up to about nineteen eighty, and look at what that chart looks like, and then look at what the chart looks like from nineteen eighty till today. And try to tell me that those are the same markets. This ain't your grandpa's market. Mm -mm. This is boom and bust. There's there's high frequency trading, which is another book, Flash Boys. There's a ton of debt for that too. Movie. There's a lot of leverage. Lots more leverage. Lots more debt. Lots more communication. Lots more trading. Lots more volume. Lots more participation. Um, it's just look, who owns Patrick? Who owns stock in 1960? Nobody did. It was for aristocrats mm -hmm. who were loose with their money and could afford high risk you're, you're in 1960 anyone any individual guy like you or i that was involved in the stock market you said are you crazy mm -hmm. do you know how risky that is are you nuts and then all of a sudden we decide to make that a 401k and now it's the status quo now it's what we do so is it china you know is there a bubble is there an opportunity for for people to do a big short <laughs> there is but you, know? you, but you need to know, and that's the thing is, in, in those type of accounts, you can't do, you can't do that. Not even the mutual can't. fund managers can do it. You can't. They can't. The, only the individual. Well, those guys, only individuals invest. And, and they had to go to, to to buy a credit default swap. You got to be at the big table. Mm -hmm. Those are institutional level, private. They they've done a little, maybe I don't want to call it pseudo regulation. Uh, maybe that's a word, <laughs> but they've they've given the appearance of regulation, but. But these were called, uh, Richard Duncan, I think, is the guy that calls them black box derivatives, meaning they're not on the open market. They're not traded on the open market. Yeah. These were private deals done in a boardroom yeah. between an individual and an institution mm -hmm. or another, really two institutions, a small institution, a large institution. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, the opportunity to do the quote unquote big short mm. uh, in the way they did it was simply just not available to the average consumer, yep. you know, unless you happen to invest in one of those companies and then, and then you'd be accredited. However, in, in that's black box derivative, open market derivatives, regular options, mm -hmm. a person could have done very, 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 very well by shorting the banks mm -hmm. and the people that were, uh, you know, that were propagating selling, everything. Yeah. yeah, they were selling the credit default swaps, you know. Well, it's one of those. And I, and I, as I looked at the movie and as I looked at, you know, kind of what we do, which is, you know, essentially educating the a average individual as far as what they can, what they can do with their money. I mean, it really comes down to when this ir irrationality because one of the one of the sayings they have is that truth will always or the lies will always be discovered if you don't tell the truth yeah, it's yeah. always going to be discovered eventually eventually it's going to be discovered question is when and that's the thing is when that happens now there's correction to the tr to the truth and that's where most individuals are exposed to it and they don't know really what it is but regardless they're exposed to it right now and it's and it's unfortunate because there's you know trillions and trillions of dollars in in those type of accounts, IRA accounts, 401k accounts, all retirement accounts, it's, there's so much money there and it's all in this fragile position that when these events occur and they are very, it's very probable that they are going to occur and keep occurring, who's the one that really pays the price? Well, it seems to me that it's a lot like the golden rule. You know, he who makes the gold sets makes the, the rules. rules. And it just seems like the rich uh, make those rules. And, and I, I would say that, I would say what Robert Kiyosaki said uh, when he, you know, he, he, he got on CNBC with Wolf Blitzer and he's debating with the people. It looked like the big, you want to see the big short for real. You know, in the movie, The Big Short, there were arguments about who was right. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, are you crazy? Really? You're going to short trip? You're going to short double A bonds? Remember that? Yeah. When the guy said, you're going to short the double A's? Are you crazy? We'll sell you all those that you want. You're nuts. And so you have right and wrong. Well, and, you know, Wolf Blitzer's sitting there on this panel, and these people are telling Robert he's crazy. He says, listen, my fear is, is that Lehman is going to fail and that the taxpayers are going to be the ones that bail him out. And so when you say, who ends up paying for this, you broaden the base mm -hmm. and you spread that damage across the tax base, across the taxpayers, and so the poor pay for it, <laughs> which is just Always. the the poor well, pay for it. Well, I wouldn't it. say the poor, it's, but, the, it's, the, it's those that are uninformed or the but, ignorant. But another way you could say is, is what causes people to be poor? Well, there's two things, laziness mm -hmm. and ignorance. And if you have both, oh my gosh, you're going to pay for the rich and whether it's right or not, you know, it's it's the way that, that it usually happen. crumbles. I, I laughed. You, you probably saw when we were in the movie, you know, I, they, they caught me for a second because at first I questioned my own, uh, my own knowledge of it. I thought, wait a minute. And then as they began to pursue it, you, you saw I started laughing and I, I knew the joke because at the very end they said, you know, all these guys went to jail. There were all these. Oh, guys. it was, the, it well, was first, at the I end. I looked over. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I was like, well, that's not the way all I remember it happening. All these bankers went to jail. All yeah. these people. That, and I looked you know, at you know, like, where, where? And all of a sudden, it got going so far. I started just laughing. And just one guy. <laughs> yeah, and I started laughing. And then they came clean and said, well, actually, that's not the way it happened. You know, so I was like, boy, this is a different version that I yeah. knew. But, uh, but yeah, where, where is it going to go? They're going to, they're going to, Grunch of Giants, the Grand Universal Cash Heist. It just seems that. Uh, those that are that are educated and those that have the money 
are going to always... Uh, They're the ones influencing a lot of this stuff yeah. and taking advantage of it. The thing of it is, the individual can win, though. Mm-hmm. One, son, one time someone said to me, well, Andy, I won't participate in the markets because the markets are manipulated. And I was like, well, of course they're manipulated. <laughs> Everything's Everything manipulated. Everything is manipulated. <laughs> you know, and the question is, is they can own, but here's the thing, where can they manipulate it, up or down or sideways? So look, they can manipulate it to go up, they can manipulate it going down, and they can manipulate stagnation. I don't care which one they do. If I know how to position myself. You can, all, you can win. You can win. So it doesn't matter that yeah. they're manipulated. Now, if you're in a formal K and you got to go bullish, you're, you're going to be in trouble. But if you know how to There's go only up, one direction you can go, yeah, you're going to be in trouble. Well, you go up, down, or sideways. So that's, there, yeah. there are ways to win. And I think right now, I mean, I think you look at everything that's going on. And if you, I mean, there's so much information out there. Some of it's true. Some of it's probably, you know, tweaked a little bit because uh, there's always human human error in opinion. Yeah. But still, if you go and try to find sources about what's going on, typically those signs can give you an idea of where things will head, right? Because if you look at the influence yep. that China has, you look at um, the influence that you know o- other markets have, you look at other sectors. And I was, I was researching, because I, I had read a report a couple of years ago about China being involved with U.S. Uh, purchasing residential homes. Well, there, was a, there was a group down in Texas that... Um, that I was talking to, and they they were like, yeah, we had the, this Chinese buyer come in and you know buy up this, and mm-hmm. then I had another. Uh, there's another uh, crowdfunding company that uh, this Chinese company was in, interested in them, and you know just wrote them a check for thirty million dollars. It's so I'm like, wh-? so I started researching that. I'm like, okay, what are the you know, what's the Chinese involvement in you know yeah. the U.S. housing market? And I started to do some you know research on on housing, right, and and how many you know rental units versus uh, primary residences there are, and now. It, it, and it's fascinating because those statistics tell you some very interesting things. They bring you to certain conclusions. And so when a lot of these corrections are made, there's always going to be uh, opportunity. Yeah. And I think in those... Always opportunity. And the opportunities always occur when these events are taking place. And typically the events... You know, it was interesting in the movie because... Do you remember the part in the movie where... Uh, you know, they, all of these, they started to sell these contracts and are making yeah. all this money. And then he, this guy gets like a voicemail that says, you're an idiot. Why are you buying? Why are you buying banks? <laughs> you remember that part? Yeah. Like, now you're buying at banks end. at the very, cause when they were at the at very the bottom, bottom it's like everybody's nobody, freaking yep. out. Nobody wants to buy, you know, nobody wants to buy. There's they want to sell, fear. but that is the best time to, to there's buy. too much fear. So it's a, it's just a, it's a, it's a fascinating, you know, there's a lot of cool lessons that are from that movie. And I think Great it, lessons. You know, and it was it was several years ago, but I think those lessons are are perfectly applicable to today because even though it's not the exact same thing, there are elements of what happened then that are going on right now. What I love about the movie is it will help people gain curiosity to increase their vocabulary. If we don't know what a credit default swap is, if we don't know what a collateralized debt obligation is or a synthetic CDO is, mm-hmm. some people will will begin to Wikipedia that and Google Hopefully. that and. And learn a little bit more about them. Shorting the market is harder than they make it look. The The challenge is always time. If you want to short the market and you just take short positions, mm-hmm. well, as long they can go up high, 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 then you're going to have to make margin calls to maintain that. So, again, liquidity outlasting the irrationality. The irrational. yep. If you want to buy puts, those have an expiration date, yep. and you've got to make sure that event happens before that expiration date or you lose all that premium, the time yep. will decay. Yep. You buy credit fall swaps the way they did by making payments on premiums or you lose the whole thing. I mean, it just you lose the contract, basically. Mm-hmm. So timing 
is is always a tough thing. I would say that's why we have four pillars instead of three or two. The first one's fundamentals. Do we find true value that equates to price? Do we find stability and strength that equates to the certain price? That's what Buffett's good at. He's he's more about value finding. Investing, yeah. He's more about finding really really strong things. The way the Buffett would have, if this would have been the Buffett movie, it would have gone down like this. Man, these mortgagers are much more solid than people realize. This is a no-brainer. These are going to be worth a lot more later on because these are solid. That'd be the opposite. He'd say these are these these are going to go up instead of go down. The technicals come when it actually changes. That's when that's the reality of it. Supply and demand. The cash flow pillar is where your position is. Am I going to be betting against it or with it? But that risk management is the most important one, because the risk management pillar is where I deal with that nebula mm-hmm. of the liquidity the outlasting. Right. If my okay, what if my liquidity doesn't outlast mm-hmm. the irrationality? Then what do I do, mm-hmm. right? Because if I mean, if it were if it were any other way, I I wouldn't take a long position. Any, I'm short right now. I you look at the fundamentals of the United States. You're Greece. Short. You're Greece. I'm short right now. Yep. But the but what stops me from shorting now? My charts, yep. my technicals, and my risk management yep. and the X factor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think management. and that's the. You know, in in the end, you know the the data that you look at, you know, it, it gives you signs, but it doesn't give you conclusions, right? I think yeah. it gives you an idea of what it could could be, yeah. but in in is it is it all is it probable to perfectly position yourself at the exact right time? I don't think that's. And possible. again, is the fundamental data something that you trust? Yeah. But in the end, it's more of, are you prepared, right? Are yeah. you educated? Do you yeah. know what's going on? Because the majority of people they have they're oblivious to it and they're positioning themselves with what they put their money into right to if it doesn't do this then you're host and that's b- go up well i have to say this patrick as a as a person who has i'll confess a little bit of a libertarian leaning at times one of the things i hate are mandates i hate mandates but i went on a mandate with you <laughs> that's the first <laughs> that was mandate. clever andy that that's the first mandate yeah that I think I've I've enjoyed. <laughs> I don't like having to sell off uh, people that have a mandate to sell their four hundred and one k, and I don't like mandates to make us buy yeah. car insurance. But if you want to have a mandate, you'll enjoy. Go see, Go see the big short. The big short with Patrick. <laughs> That's a mandate that you can enjoy. Uh, that was good. Yeah, that was I, good. I that, was be- that, that was better than the big short. That was better than the big short. That was actually probably pretty bad, wasn't it? No, it was pretty good. That was good. I'll have to give that. I'll give you that one. <laughs> Uh, but this is, you know, it, it it is. It's it's one of those things where, you know, it's always fascinating to see what comes into into Hollywood and what yeah. you know what becomes. Pop- I don't think this movie was very popular. I mean, it came out right around Star Wars, so I'm sure a lot of people didn't see it. But, went great. but the same thing with you know the other documentaries and movies that have come out that have you know sh- shown some of the inside scoop about what went on at, at during this period of time. But to most individuals, you know, they're they're watching. You know, they're they're watching their you know Kardashians. They they're they're watching Walking Walking Dead, is. and that's the idea. Is I you know, there's nothing wrong with entertainment, but at the same time, you know, when they're crying in their soup about their savings and their future, right? There's a lot that you can do right now to understand yeah. what's what's going on. Okay, so what are the lessons of the Big Short? I would say that there a, a couple. First lesson is there's more than what's going on that's in the headlines. Yeah, okay, that's the first lesson. The second lesson is. They're all, it's, it's the X factor. There's always things that are going to happen that you have no idea about. It's the things you don't know that you don't know. 
and being prepared for those, as you said, is is risk management. Uh, and also intelligence, which is most people that watch that movie probably didn't understand really what was being talked about. They saw the entertainment value. They didn't see the information value. Those are my lessons. I, you know, I, I loved the, the movie, and it's from an artistic standpoint. Yeah. Is A, I love the quotes it put up once in a while. It was almost like a presentation. Yeah. Yeah. I love the quotes they put up. Um, I loved the little sidebars with different types of celebrities, be it a chef or a, you know, a professor that would define. Well, and they had that Richard Thaler on there, which yeah, like nobody defining, probably knew, which is the behavioral economist. That's like a brilliant yeah, guy. They're, they're trying to define words, so it was an interesting movie in that it had to educate you, right? It had to educate you in two ways. A had to educate you on what was happening in, in terms of vocabulary. What is credit default swap? It also had to educate you on the morality of it. Hence the Mark Twain quotes mm-hmm. and things like that. So from from the Mark Twain quotes perspective, um, when you what what do you take away from this? Well, this was a movie uh, that is actually a sequel uh, to Human Nature mm-hmm. because we can find stories of oh, Big Shorts throughout history. Throughout history. So I would say that one lesson I would say is is well, it isn't like this is all wrapped up and that's done. This is simply a wave. It's a it's a cycle. It's a cycle, yep. And it's a it's a certain part. It's a documentary on the downward cycle. Mm. And then since this, we've had an upward cycle yeah. since this movie. Yeah. And there's gonna be another downward. And exactly, another downward, another mm-hmm. upward. Uh, the power players will be in charge, and the taxpayer will get a bill. Um, we talked briefly after um, I, I asked Patrick briefly, this question. Dude, we were <laughs> yeah, that's true. We talked <laughs> we for two hours. Two hours and we sat in the parking garage and no one was around. Well, first we sat in the theater for probably 20 minutes. Yeah. Everyone else is gone. But I, I said this to Patrick, and I think your listeners would be interested in this. I go, what's a worse loan than a no-doc uh, stated income subprime loan? Mm. Student loan. Student loan. Because yeah. you have no income mm. and you have no collateral. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and no more, job when you're actually getting there's no employment, <laughs> there's no income, there's nothing, yep. and uh, and they're starting to their CDOs, you know, those are being used as collateral in a collateralized debt obligation. So instead of a mortgage-backed security CDO, you'd have a student loan-backed security CDO, and it's just you know it's the same stuff. So so when those fail, who guarantees them? Government. And who pays for that? Taxpayers. So it's the same thing, right? It's just the same thing. Yep. And people, and that's a, it's it's one of those. And they're gonna fail. Yeah. Oh, the, well, they ha, there's they're no probable right way that they can't. Yeah. And and that's so where. So tack another yeah. trillion what? Trillion five? It's it's approaching. I think it's one three. So so throw another trillion, throw another trillion three, trillion four on top of everything else. And people that are trillion dollars don't even get their attention anymore. It doesn't. It's it's shell just, shock to it. And that's. <laughs> yeah, there's so many there's so many things going on right now, and it could be, and who knows exactly how it's going to play out, but it's yeah. gonna play out. And you either can be, you can be negative about it, yeah. you can, but it is it is what you it is. It. It's gonna happen. You said it. There's opportunity. There's always it. opportunity. Hey, what's a trillion dollars, man? I got a terabyte hard drive now, right? It can't be that big. I got a trillion bytes, <laughs> right? And now what a terabyte yeah, is a it trillion? Is, it is. I don't know. Oh, man. No, but so it's gonna be. It's it'll be big interesting. Lessons, big lessons. Student it's loans. It's gonna happen again. We'll do. We'll have to do a student loan. A student loan podcast because yeah. I. I. Uh, I hired a researcher to go Did do a bunch really of. Did you really do uh, that? Yeah, to look at. I mean, I think one of the statistics was you know how much, and then what's the average, and then 
you know, what percentage of those they take on student loans actually graduate, exposure for right? And then what jobs do they take that don't require a college degree? And Church. and I also want to look at just kind of behind the scenes with the corporate structure of, you know, your online universities, the corporate structure of your, you know, main universities, because they're the ones that are receiving all this money. You know, in two, there's two ways for us to research and talk about student loans. A, there's the economic side. Mm-hmm. And B, there's the cultural and moral side. Absolutely. I mean, I go, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a culture that says go to school at all costs, get a degree at all costs, mm-hmm. literally all Regardless costs. Regardless of who you are. And so I've got a history degree or a sociology degree or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'm in debt 50 grand. Mm-hmm. I can't get a job, so what do I do? I go back to school because the only way to avoid paying that is to go back and be a student. So what do I do? I'm going to get a master's now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw another fifty grand on it. Now I've bought a house with no house. Now I have a I have a house payment and I have no house. And I know MBAs right now, friends of mine, that are that could not be more dissatisfied with their job because they don't need a master's degree for that job. So there's a moral and a cultural side to this idea of what education is mm-hmm. and what it should be paid for. And it blows me away because I'll, I'll uh, see someone invest in a seminar for $1,000 mm-hmm. or $2,000. I mean, like, for example, you'll, you and I will go to a seminars that cost a couple grand, five, mm-hmm. ten grand, and people are out of their mind when they look at us. They think, are you crazy? Are you, you're going to such and such a seminar just to, well, you know, they're not accredited. They're not accredited university. I'm like, well, you're dropping $200,000 to go to med school, mm-hmm. and you can be at, you know, obsolescence risk. Yep. Because what if they invent some sort of robot like dude, in uh, Elysium, that what, Elysium movie that does the surgery and everybody? What about happens, the 3D printing? What happens to the oncologists when we do find the cure for cancer? Exactly. They're done. Yep. So I don't know. Education's going to change. Culture's going to change. Short, World's culture's going to change. Information. It's only guarantee. The only, the only certainty is change. Change. Can I put you down to saying that as well? I don't know. <laughs> I think so. Every, yeah. Everything we say, you know, it's already like, been said. What I like Maybe is when I go out there, I'll, less say, I'll, give the quote, I'll give the quote and I'll say, you know, it was either it was either Socrates that said this or Patrick Donahoe. <laughs> Whatever. It was one of those two. It was Aristotle. That's probably oh, better. Arist- you like Aristotle, do you? <laughs> I like Aristotle, Plato, all those thinkers. Oh, you know, I, I don't know. We're not exactly monetary Aristotles, I don't think. I don't, wanna, I don't know if I would want his hair to either. Oh, geez. I like his beard, though. You know, beards are going to be like mullets, okay? Right now, they're really, really cool again, but we're going to look back. They're going to be like mullets. Things cycle. Things change. That's 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 my lesson. That's my lesson from the big short I take away is, look, this is going to happen again. Mm -hmm. And 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 usually it happens bigger, more people involved. They they the 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 thing about bubbles is the harder you kick the can down the road, bigger it's going to be. Bigger it's the not. You know, the I got a better is. metaphor than kicking the can down the road. You're rolling a snowball up the mountain. Mm-hmm. It's gaining more mass like and that. more can potential. I, can I put energy. your name behind that? That was that's really not Socrates. That's an Andy <laughs> Tanner original. But you picture you know the Grinch pulling you know or someone up yeah, to yeah, his, pushing the ball down, pushing yeah. the snowball yeah. up that hill. It gets bigger yeah. and bigger. The more snow it gathers, the more potential energy it gets even more when it comes down. I'll tell you, pretty pretty soon, you just don't have the ability to keep it from rolling back over you. Yeah. The secret of that is technical analysis, because there's your timing. There's your timing. You got to see that. You got to be able to see when it's happening. I'll tell you, I'm watching the market now. If we start hitting newer, lower levels, uh, this this can cause problems. We're not printing money anymore. Interest mm-hmm. rates are going higher. Uh, we're we're above twenty five dollars. Uh, Devaluation in our we're we're paying a lot for PVP, equities yep. 
paying a lot for equities. There's a lot of ingredients here that can make a case for learning. If you don't know what shorting is, you can make a case for learning it pretty easy right now. Or you can go get a sociology degree and get a student loan for 50 Gs, you know, your choice. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be that bad. That's mean. All right, we are, we're, at a, we're out of time. Do you believe awesome. that? We talked at it for an hour. That's hard to believe. Not with you and I. Yeah, that's why I'm just trying. Yeah, I'm not very good at sarcasm. Yeah. All right. Well, well you good. you have a very creative URL. So if, so if people want to learn more about you, you can go to. <laughs> so you can, if everyone wants creative. to follow Andy, AndyTanner.com. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't, you're I'm on just the new kidding. One? What's that? We got we got a new. Oh, Cash Flow Academy, right? The Cash Flow Academy. It's not Academy. a Cash Flow Academy. It okay. is the. Okay. Cash. Yeah, that's not really original either, is it? Well, <laughs> yeah, because Cash Flow Academy was probably taken, wasn't well, it? Well, <laughs> you learn about, yeah, I don't know, Mike did it. You know, what's funny is, is you talk about not being original, you know, well, that's my name. <laughs> Blame my parents. Just, the other ones, you know, they could have named me Leopold or something that's better. I don't know. It's got a better ring to it. It, do, it does. <laughs> Andrew. I, I, maybe that's your, your new nickname, Leopold. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in today. We will let's we need to do a, pod, a podcast on the college. I'll, I'll let you know what the what the research come what yeah, the results interesting are. Interesting stuff. And we can do that maybe the next couple months. Patrick, thanks for having me, man. I just so enjoy. There, there are very few people I can talk to for an hour, and it feels like five minutes to me. Mm-hmm. It's just awesome. So thank you. Well, that's why I, that's why I love doing these podcast because yeah. this would have been our conversation anyway yeah exactly <laughs> a lot of fun all right everyone thanks uh, thanks for listening uh this week and we will uh see you see you next week you've been listening to the wealth standard radio show your gold standard in everything financial